This is Grow Your Life with Jason Scott Montoya, a podcast with stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to this episode of Inspirational People. I'm Jason Scott Montoya, and today I get the opportunity to introduce you to and chat with Olga Kirschenbaum. Olga, welcome. Did I get it right? Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on, Jason. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, we recently got connected through um, Trupo and the Freelancers Union, and um, Olga, also known as the Money Whisperer, is a financial literacy advocate and the owner of Rags to Riches Consultant. She equips and liberates creative folks who find money issues stressful, and now is a time where that may be the case for a lot of folks. So, Olga, before we dive into my questions, first tell me about you, your story, and what you do. Sure. So I spent 10 years in corporate America working for companies as an accountant. I was one of those few people that when I was graduating from high school, I knew I wanted to be an accountant. Okay. I had, was there something specific about it that resonated yeah. off of that? <laughs> At first, it was that I loved math and I had the misconception that many people do that you do a lot of math. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's really <laughs> what I found most interesting once I did find out there isn't that much math. It's a lot of problem solving. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really loved. Mm -hmm. I, um, I really enjoyed solving puzzles that maybe involved math sometimes, but it was, um, it, it, there is a level of logic to it where yeah. things balance and if mm -hmm. things don't balance, where is that coming from? Um, but I found myself really unhappy in a lot of jobs that I thought I'd be excited in on paper. Mm -hmm. And um, my last job, I was fired in 2018. Yeah. And one of the reasons I love what I do now is I realized I have a way of noticing patterns and mm -hmm. habits that people have. And I noticed that I had a pattern. I yeah. was going into jobs where I would, I would be super excited in the beginning and I would just not be very happy within a year. It was very quick. Yeah. And I noticed the pattern was I wasn't fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I was not connecting with the people that I wanted to connect with. Okay. Now, I did spend most of the time in creative companies, so visual effects, ebook production, yeah. advertising. So I was uh, surrounded by creative people, and that really fueled me. Mm. Um, but, but did you consider yourself a creative person? No, yeah, I did not. But, <laughs> um, I think because I went into accounting and I knew I was really good at it. Yeah, something about that I was. I just told myself for a really long time I wasn't creative, mm. um, and I think part of why I was finding myself miserable in these jobs is that I didn't have an outlet for my creativity, okay. and not connecting with people that really cared about being educated. Yeah. or informed about the numbers I was presenting. Yeah. And when I found myself let go from this job, I mean, my foot was out the door. Yeah. If I was let go on a Monday, Wednesday, <laughs> there was an interview lined up walking into that day. Yeah. So I knew I needed to figure, figure this out because I didn't want to go into another job where I feel the same, the same way. Yeah. So I did a little bit of soul searching and <laughs> I didn't know at the time that money coaching was even a thing, okay. but I have been doing this since I was in high school for my friends, family, colleagues. Yeah. I'd give them money advice mm. that would change their lives sometimes. So when I was graduating from high school, a friend asked me, hey, I have a part-time job. It is part-time during the school year, full-time in the summer. How do I make this last? I don't want to worry about picking up shifts, focus mm. on studying while I'm in college. Yeah. We talk about the basics. Five years later, we have another conversation and she says, hey, I actually saved the entirety of my student loans during these five years. What yeah. do I do? Yeah. Do I pay it back or do I piecemeal it like everyone else? I said, are you crazy? How many <laughs> of our friends would love to say, hey, I paid it off. I'm starting off debt free. Yeah. So I kind of started piecing those moments of my life together. And mm. I was like, you know, I do love it so much. I feel myself light up when I talk about these moments. So yeah. 
I decided to give it a go. And that's how I got to the money coaching. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. you've been since, since 2018, you've been co doing the coaching? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. So, you know, obviously money right now is an interesting topic because of the coronavirus crisis and, and it's affecting some people in, in, in a positive way, but for the majority of people, it's, it's a negative. Um, and, and being an individual consultant or freelancer, you know, it can be uh, unnerving for many. Um, so, you know, what's, what's your take on this situation? You know, how should we be looking at it? How should we respond? And how does that relate to money? <laughs> I think it depends on where you are, because mm -hmm. I think the reality is there's so many variations of where people are right now. There are some people who are, I've seen companies that are really doing well right now because they're just positioned that way. Yeah. Um, some companies are having to furlough people. And I think the impact on a personal level, whether you're a freelancer or an employee, really varies. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing that I think applies to everybody right now is that moments like this tend to magnify where you are mm -hmm. and where you were prior to this. Yeah. So if you were living paycheck to paycheck before this, even if you don't have the money stream that some people may have, you're feeling that stress more than you were mm -hmm. two months ago. Yeah. And not everyone has the ability to do something about it right now, but I think getting honest with yourself mm -hmm. is really the first step. I think being honest with, am I having trouble with the bills right now? It's mm -hmm. a, it's a, many people underestimate how difficult of a question that is to ask yourself. Yeah. But if you just say like, let me put down my hard costs on paper, what does it take to run the business month yeah. to month that even if it's the leanest that I can get it to, or what does it keep to yeah. have the lights on every, yeah. every month without having to worry about anything going like getting shut off really yeah, yeah um i think that's really the first place for most people to start because get an accurate 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 picture of the brutal facts <laughs> yeah or, you know and i would also say a lot of most people that i work with they think they're going to be brutal facts but they're pleasantly surprised when they find out it tends to be not that bad like they're or, worrying that it's yeah. worse than what it really is okay yeah. So yeah. I had a client that um, was a friend and I kept saying, we need to get on your credit score. And I'm not kidding you. Four months, he said, no, he mm. was fighting me on it. <laughs> and then finally we logged on to Credit Karma and he said, what have I been so worried about? And it just completely changed his entire mindset. Interesting. So I think you have focused in two different camps in terms of those that they would they would look at that number, those break that breakdown and go, oh, I'm doing, I'm actually doing well, I'm in a good position. What would you say to them? So I would say, what is that definition of good for you, mm -hmm. and how prepared are you going to be for something like this if it does happen in the future? Mm -hmm. I think um, many people underestimate how many people were still recovering from the government shutdown last year. Yeah. Um, so many people just wiped out all of their savings just to keep afloat. Mm -hmm. I think we have to be realistic about what is your income going to be like after this? Yeah. Um, if, it, if someone has been furloughed and they're able to keep it afloat and they have those savings, I think it's important to have a realistic plan to get that replenished and what that would look like. Yeah. Um, just because I think unrealistic goals set, set us up for failure. So again, being real with yourself and having a realistic plan. Yeah. So on the, on the flip side, someone looks at the numbers and it's not good. And, um, and perhaps they've lost their job or perhaps they're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, they're in a crisis before it started financially. They just maybe didn't know it. Now they're, we're facing an external crisis. It's pressing in on, what would you say to them? What's your advice to them? Yeah. You know, this one is actually a little bit of a harder pill to swallow because it's less, less actionable. Yeah. Um, you have to realize, especially no matter where you are, 
everyone is being impacted by this. Mm -hmm. A lot of states are putting, if you are having trouble paying rent, for example, uh, yeah. governors are putting in place no eviction, um, uh, I don't know, bills or I, I don't know what they're referring them to. There are systems out there for you to get support. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to understand that it's not just you. Yeah. When it comes to money um, matters, yeah. it, it doesn't matter how you really are. We tend to talk up these stories and say that we're a lot worse than we really mm. are. And yeah. I think that even if you did have that check-in with yourself and to see where you are today, I think that alone would kind of lift your spirits and also knowing that everyone else is in the same situation yeah. in some shape or form it's just the reality, you know, yeah. if you're furloughed at this point, it's a waiting game mm -hmm. and maybe seeing what you can do yeah. uh, once things are opening back up again. I think having a plan yeah. always sets you up for better success mm -hmm. than just yeah. winging it. <laughs> and and how, what would you say in, t in terms of like communication to perhaps you can't make that bill or or you're having trouble, yes. like what's your advice on, on the communication front? Super important. You know, I think it's very easy to get stressed. And like I mentioned before, we're really good at telling stories to ourselves that we're way worse than <laughs> we really are. The reality is at the end of the day, these companies want to get paid and they are also aware of what's going on. And chances are, and this was the case actually before COVID, if you're running into a situation where you may not be able to pay the bill and you talk to them before you actually skip that first payment, they can offer you more help mm. than they can once you've already missed the payment. Yeah. And so it's better to be proactive is what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I'd be happy to share with you a link so you can share with the listeners. I actually have uh, put together a script basically oh, okay. to call credit card companies, but anyone using it can kind of yeah. build it in a way that caters to their situation. And it's basically, if you have a list that says, you know, this is what I'm going through, this is my realistic, when they say, well, because their job is to get paid, they're going to try and say, well, how about $100 today? Yeah. And if you know you're hard it's a hard no because yeah. you're not going to be able to feed your family this week. You, if you have that list in front of you written down, you can refer to it. And that conversation is going to be a lot easier than mm. many imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So what, before we jump into my questions on living smarter and working, working better or, or flipped, uh, um, we all got the stimulus check, right? And yeah. so do you have any advice on what we should or shouldn't do with that? Should we yeah. go out and buy a big screen TV or, or something else? You know, I <laughs> am, it's difficult for me to hear the fact that there's a lot of people who have actually spent that check already. Yeah. Um, that, that hits me so deep. <laughs> I can't, it just reminds me how much more work I have to do out <laughs> yeah. there. Um, I would say, listen, I think there's, it's hard to go into the whole answer for me because you kind of have to know my coaching style. Okay. I do have a touch of self-care and everything that I teach. Yeah. I think it is important, especially in times like this, to treat yourself. Yeah. Absolutely, but not the full amount. Yeah. <laughs> I think it depends. You know, I think there are some people in a position where they may have enough cushion that spending the whole $1,200 is okay. I don't think, I hate nevers always. Yeah. There's, always yeah. There's always the exception. <laughs> but I think, again, you have to be realistic with your situation. You know, if you are furloughed and you have rent coming due, perhaps you should figure out how much of that check you need to keep to at least have something going for the next month's rent if yeah. you're furloughed and don't have anything else coming in. Um, I also, like I said, I have clients that don't have the need to just be cautious with it, but they're also spending it on things like investing. Yeah. Um, I think if 
there's a little bit of the self-care, but yeah. maybe think whether you really need that thing that you're buying and um, don't yeah. spend it all in one place. I mean, <laughs> or spend even, all of it. <laughs> even when it comes to stimulus checks, and I use this for myself, pay myself first. So I do have savings that I put away every time I get paid. It goes to my business, it goes for me. And I do the same thing with refund checks if I ever get them. That's what I do with the stimulus money. It kind of- You have a system and that you push it through. Exactly. So even save something for yourself, whether it's to invest, maybe it's for your first trip when we're able to go out there again. But, you know, I'm not a- I, I think throwing it all back into the economy like that, I mean, it's great, but I don't think $1,200 yeah. from Well, and, and that thing we might want to buy, if, if we wait, it's still going to be there when, if, if things turn around. So yeah. it's, it's better to, to not spend it and have it than to spend it and not have it when you need it, right? <laughs> but I would say if you're watching a lot of TV and your TV broke and that's your way of keeping yeah, sanity, you know, it, it's different. It, exactly. Yeah. The context matters. <laughs> Absolutely. So on that note, let's, let's talk about what does it, what does it mean for you to live better and work smarter and how yeah. do you go about it? And does this current context change that for you? Yeah, you know, I have had a lot of changes in the last two months that kind of upped my self care. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a two hour morning routine before going into this, and I think that really prepared me. Um, I'm not calm every day. Yeah. Not every day is great at this point. It's the roller coaster. <laughs> it really is. It's an emotional roller coaster. Some days wake up, you're like, wow, let's go back to bed. But <laughs> Should I get out of bed fast today? Forward. <laughs> <laughs> but um, had I not had that routine going in, I think it would have mm. been a different story for me. I do, I've suffered from anxiety for pretty much all of my life up until I got that morning routine. It Mm. is um, meditating, journaling, reading, and a little bit of exercise. So, and is that the beginning of every day or the end? That's at the beginning of every day. So it, it helps me realize at the end of the day, no matter how bad those days are sometimes that something good happened that day. And it's four things that I did. And it's so easy to say like, you know, I'm grateful I had time for myself. I'm grateful I got to read something today. I got to journal. I got to meditate. And it's easier to say, like, at least there's some sort of checks going on in my life that are going positive. And do you Um, ever feel, like, if you're really busy, do you ever feel, like, like maybe I shouldn't do it today because I got too much to do? Or is it kind of, like, bolted in where it's un negotiable. (laughs) I think in, so there are some days where I have to shuffle things around and there are days where I don't get to all of it. Like, um, I'd say I've been meditating daily for the last four or five months. And had I not gotten there, it would have been easier. I think during these times, especially to kind of fall off the wagon. But at this point, I know that I perform better when I do. Mm. And I really, especially as a coach, I realize that my me time is super important. Um, anyone out there that is a coach that's listening, something I heard last winter, I was discussing morning routines with people and someone yeah. said, you know, as a coach, we're always filling people. We're trying to inspire and motivate people. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you're actually filling people from your cup instead of your overflow. Mm. And I think that it was such a powerful visual for me that it stuck. But if I don't do, you know, sometimes I do skip the the (laughs) exercise, (laughs) but the, the reading, the journaling, the meditation, those three always happen, even on the weekends. On the weekends, sometimes they're not like bolted the time that I do it in. Um, and I read different things on the weekends. Um, and during the week, it's usually work-related books, business stuff. Um, I get recommended a lot of books. Um, and it's a lot of nonfiction on the weekends. I tend to change it up right now. It's Shirley Jackson. Uh, the, uh, 
what is it? The Haunting of Hill House? <laughs> oh, I, I have not heard of that one. Um, I did just recently read a, a, a money book called Fields of Gold. Nice. Um, about generosity. and. I'm going to write that down. So, um, by Andy Stanley. So uh, I'm in a, a group and uh, a leadership group. Um, um, and it's uh, one of the books. We've been going through a book every single nice. um, month. And, uh, and then we talk about it and stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Is it more of a mindset book or does it cover a specific area? Um, it's specifically about, well, it's, I, I think it's the, the idea of the, um, the concept of fear over faith and, and often fear is what drives our, our resistance to giving. And, yeah. and it's, it, a lot of times, like some people might be greedy, but I, but the author is essentially making the argument that a lot of people actually are not giving out of fear. Um, and it's all those unknowns and what ifs and, and those, uh, like you described, it seems scarier and bigger than it really is. Yeah. So, so I'm yeah. excited to read it now. <laughs> right <laughs> so, up my alley. Yeah. So I've, I've enjoyed it and um, it's a quick little read. Um, so but yeah, so that's, uh, so it's interesting you talk about, I guess when you think about helping others, so you're coaching people, how, how do you help others get that type of grounding um, in their own journey? Yeah, you know, it actually is almost like a two-part um, journey for yeah. people. In the beginning, they have to take that hard look in the mirror, say, this is where I'm at. This yeah. is what realistically I'm working with mm -hmm. that tends to take some time. Um, yeah. It depends on how much resistance people have. It depends on the money experiences they've had. Um, I'm an immigrant. My parents moved okay. from Russia when I was nine. Oh, I realized wow. I had my own money blocks and some of it is so rooted not just the immigration but like how russia used to be communist and mm -hmm. having a lot of money is just not a thing is and it just because there's a risk in having wealth because they might take it is that kind of well mean, there's the part where you're not supposed to have any basically like it's supposed to be oh. equal but then, oh okay more of the distribution okay and then after uh things have changed having money became dangerous so mm. i remember one time journaling on my ideas on money and i had conflicting ideas yeah. um this is actually an exercise that i would recommend for everyone break down mm. your beliefs about money and what I realized, I had a list of things that I came up with and two things really stuck out. One side, it was money is opportunity. And on the other side, money is dangerous and you need to keep it at arm's length. Yeah. Now, those two were in direct opposition of each yeah. other. And I find when you can find those patterns and when you look at your money beliefs, that's where you can get most progress. So yeah. when I realized that I, you know, money's great, it's opportunity, yeah. but I'm also keeping it at arm's length. Yeah. Maybe not even realizing it. I'm keeping not just the monetary opportunity away. It's everything that comes with it. I mean, speaking engagements, I mean, yeah. my clients, it's the types of clients. It really begins to bleed yeah. out into everything. Well, and so several things come to mind, but the idea of self-worth, I think is kind of an undergirding insecurity that can kind of mess that up. And the visual that I think of is we used to have a, a thoroughbred horse, you know, and, um, and it used to be a racehorse. Um, but you just think about a, a wild horse or a racehorse. I mean, it's a very, um, it can be a very dangerous animal to be around. Right. But if you know how to ride it and to tame it and to work with it, it can actually be a really powerful, um, you know, companion resource, whatever, whatever your context is. So that's kind of another thing that, that comes to my mind. Um, also when I was first start, when I, I used to have a marketing company for several years, seven years and from 2007 to 2014. And when I first started, I, I struggled with the money thing. And there's an author, Blair ends. He wrote a book called Win without pitching. And in his book, he talks about, talk about money early and often. Yep. And that was one of the things it was kind of like, okay, let's talk about your project, project, project. And then put the money on the end, you know, okay, yeah. I guess we have to talk about it. But he's essentially saying do the other way around. And I had to you know, learn and grow through that to be able to get to that point. 
Yeah, you know, I because I work with creatives uh, most often, I also see the pattern of a story people tell themselves is, I'm a creative, I'm supposed to be a starving artist, it's supposed mm -hmm. to be hard. And then this other idea of if I am charging for something that I really love doing that I'm passionate yeah. about, it's supposed to be a tiny amount. Like <laughs> It's dirty to make money off of your gifts. Yeah. And I, um, I had a podcast guest that made this example and I just can't get it out of my head since. Yeah. Basically, Michelangelo, he had to be a brilliant businessman. All the mm. patrons that he needed to support those magnificent pieces of art that he yeah. created that we still talk about to this day. Had yeah. he not been able to talk about money, yeah. he would not even witness it today. Mm. And that's a good point because I think, I think in modern day, I think there are a lot of resources and tools to help creatives like YouTube or Kickstarter or Patreon, where maybe they're getting that money to make those things you're describing, you know, for the next generation. And, and it's, we've got more mechanisms to help them. Um, but I, I've experienced the same thing. I, you know, I wrote the path of the freelancer and it's really what I learned as a freelancer and talking with other freelancers is they see themselves as a, a technician or a skills yeah. craftsperson or a creative but they don't run the business aspect of it, which can include the financial piece, but you know, whether it's sales and marketing or all the different facets of, of, of it. And so, um, you know, how it, you have to run your freelancing or coaching or consulting as if it is a business um, or it's like, why are you doing this? Why don't you go work for someone? Cause then you don't have to deal with all these things. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's an interesting dance that I think we, we traverse. So I want to talk a little bit about stories. They yes. shape us. Um, we're creatures that thrive on them. We watch them. We we both like Star Wars, although we have different yeah. opinions on them. Um, both fiction, nonfiction. Uh, one financial story I think it's in that book and that I've been pondering is just this the parable of the talents. You know, giving people giving different talents and different and pe those three people doing different things with them, either using them or neglecting them. Um, so what's what's a story, parable, fable experience that's shaped you and how can stories inspire us during this crisis? Mm. Man, <laughs> that's a hard one because I coach on stories. Yeah. I am, I tend to share all of my stories, to be honest. Yeah. That's how I teach most of my clients, even yeah. sometimes when I may not relate exactly to the situation that they're going through. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm just 30. There are certain things I have not experienced yet yeah. in life that's just a fact. Yeah. But I can understand the anxiety. I can mm -hmm. understand the money stress. I got my MBA. I paid a hundred and thirty something thousand dollars. I can't even remember anymore. But <laughs> you know, I get it. Um, yeah. We all have so many uh, money interactions daily yeah. that we take them for granted. So I think for me, um, once I realized how powerful those stories are, um, that's when I my business actually started transforming. I remember there there is a point where I actually shared a story on LinkedIn. That's where I. Yeah. In my time and it was actually related to my anxiety I realized I was getting really anxious doing mm. video content and I was like you know what I'm just gonna share that I am anxious yeah and I shared it in a way where I talked about what I struggled with and it was around the time where I was realizing my anxiety is also a superpower when I work with my clients because I get that anxiety Oh, okay. I may not understand like that actual money problem that you're facing, but that yeah. feeling, I get it so well that I can talk people off a ledge basically. Yeah. And I shared that in a story and I ended up filling my entire money mastermind that way. Interesting. And yeah. that was the first time where I think I was really vulnerable. There was no script. I just shot it on my phone and said, this is who I am. Yeah. And I just ended up filling a whole class with that. And I think that's when I realized the true power of mm. storytelling. And 
it honestly transformed how I relate to my audience and kind of just do business in general. Yeah, I, I think of, uh, have you ever used epoxy? Are you familiar with epoxy no. glue? So when you, it's like a form of glue, but it has two tubes. Yeah. And you you get that, you open them both and then you you twist them together and kind of massage it and then it, and then it turns in, it hardens mm. into a glue. So it, you can, you know, two pieces of metal or whatever your product is that you're trying to glue together for heavy duty stuff. But I think of stories um, in epoxy and epoxy stories where you've got the, the one tube is the story. And then you have the second thing, which is the insider, the lesson or whatever yeah. it is. And on their own, you know, they can be what they are, but it's not until you fuse them together. So someone remembers something really important because they remember the story that, that communicates as the, the essence of, of that metaphor. I love <laughs> that. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's interesting. I, um, you know, and I think the idea of stories when that, when you're describing that that comes to my mind is the stories of, of debt, debt tackling, you know? So for us, um, we paid off our student loans about a year, almost a year ago now. And it was uh, 150,000 over 10 years. There you go. It. And, and it was, it was a long journey, <laughs> but we got it and it was a lot shorter than it could have been. Um, um, but we, we did it, but it, there were, you know, you hear stories of others paying off their student loans or whatever debt they might have. And so that's, it's like fuel, you know, like, absolutely. Can do it, I can do it. Um, and, and, you know, I did it in the middle. I mean, part, in the middle of that journey was a career shift from owning a marketing company to becoming a freelancer and starting over in life. And yet we still were able to overcome that. So so that's one one thing that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think um, it actually reminds me of why I started um, a lot of the content that I create, um, especially in my podcast. I'm a huge believer that the reason why so many people are uncomfortable with money, aren't sure what to do with it, it's because we have grown up with money talk stigma. And it's that it's not polite, it's rude to talk about yeah. money. And yeah. not actually talking about it creates bigger stories in our minds, how dangerous it mm -hmm. is, how bad it is, how bad yeah. we are. <laughs> and the reality is, that's why I love my money mastermind so much, actually. It's a group where people over mm -hmm. eight weeks begin to talk about personal money situations. And once they begin to share and realize, you know, we're all going through it in some shape or form it makes them so much more confident with money one it's so wonderful to know you're not alone yeah. and that you may have another friend that you can actually openly talk to mm -hmm. i mean they have access to me but what i find beautiful is the camaraderie that they start building within the group with each other. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so powerful. It, these stories, they yeah. help us figure out where we are. Cause mm -hmm. the reality is until you look for those stories, you're literally walking in the abyss yeah. and you're trying to answer <laughs> yourself to something, to a random thing, but you have no idea how it pertains to the world around you yeah. and having those conversations kind of, you begin to see a little bit more shapes and different yeah. things around you. And you're like, Oh, okay, this is where I'm really at. And then yeah. being honest with yourself just helps you really anchor that. in. Yeah. Yeah. And like you, you, like you, I think you said is it's just a money is a, is a way to um, exaggerate what's going on inside of us. And, yeah. um, and be a, re a reflection or projection of, of what's happening. So you can learn a lot about someone based on where they're, how they manage their money and where it goes, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, sometimes I can spot patterns in people just watching their conversations, but, yeah. you know, I think it's not an easy journey, but it's worthwhile looking into it because money just creates more opportunities. Yeah. That's the real truth of it. Yeah. So let's shift a little bit. Let's go from stories to systems. So I, I, I know the value of stories and how they, they operate, but systems are something that I really lean on. Um, yeah. They direct and inform how we think and act. 
Um, you kind of described, you know, your morning, your morning system, um, your company, you know, or your business, you know, you work with, with individuals. I mean, do you work with businesses or just individuals or tell me about also, that and tell me about systems and how that works. With yeah. So I work with two ballparks, basically it's individuals and I also work with creative leaders. Um, okay. for right now it mostly looks like, uh, working with leaders that are facing money in their business somehow. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they're an actual owner. Sometimes they're freelancers. Sometimes they're owners of a business or a manager who's dealing with money reports and budgets. Yeah. Um, so really the idea is to get them comfortable with those ideas and um, how do they focus on the brilliance that they have to bring as opposed yeah. to stressing out <laughs> for hours over these reports they're getting from yeah. whoever's sending their numbers over. Um, I actually, I think because I have an accounting background, I have so many systems in place to yeah. keep me organized. I, I love a good checklist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, it, what are some of the tools you like to use or that you recommend? Yeah. So um, I mentioned that I love to read. I do a lot of nonfiction reading. Something I love to use to kind of, there's so many books out there, so many awesome books and also some books that just don't resonate with me. Mm -hmm. So what I use is a tool called Blinkist. It's okay. basically, they provide one minute or minute and a half blinks of okay. each chapter. So it's almost like scrib notes for a nonfiction book. Yeah. And what I do is basically use that to screen books these oh, okay. days. Yeah. So I've gotten books that I really regret spending money on. And I just decided it's an easier way to say like, hey, this kind of looks like something I'm interested in or yeah. I'm not going to bother with this today. Yeah. yeah. Um, Are you on Goodreads? Do you use Goodreads? I am. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to come I, up there so we can. Absolutely. I'm yeah. going to write that down so I don't <laughs> forget. Um, another thing that I use is a tool called Bella Cena. It's actually created by my friend, Amber Christian. Okay. It's basically a to-do list that it integrates with your calendar. Okay. So like I said, I am huge on to-do lists. And as an entrepreneur, business owner, freelancers, I think the, we can all relate that our to-do list is ever growing. Yeah. No matter how much you get done today, more <laughs> will come up and it, I would dread rewriting it. Yeah. And that would result in me dragging my feet on mm. to getting onto the next projects and then eventually feeling overwhelmed because so much has like been added to the list. How can I handle this all? Yeah. And I think that's just a reality and mindset that you have to get accustomed to that that list is ever growing because th that's part of being in business. Yeah. And what I love about this tool, one, when you do have a lot of things going on, you can do a brain dump. You okay. just say like, here are all the things that I'm worried about, breathe, walk away. What yeah. that has helped me with before is I just get everything out of my mind, everything that needs to get done. I walk away, go for a walk, come back the next day. Mm -hmm. And then I can actually filter through and say like, that's not really a priority. Yeah. What, what was I thinking? thinking? <laughs> exactly. It's emotion. Um, you get the emotion out of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Another thing that I love because I do coaching, I can go into a meeting, take notes, and let's say I'm saying things like, oh, I'm going to send you a link to this, or I'm going to schedule another um, calendar invite. I can create those to-do tasks from that meeting note. And it just populates all my to-do list. So I'm not taking so many notes and then I'm having to transfer and it just allows me to have easy access with my calendar. Um, I use Gmail tasks in there. Yeah. To be really, it, it's just not the way my brain works. Yeah. Um, and Bella Cena, she just, honestly, she's become my virtual friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's getting stuff done for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what about um, like any kind of financial specific tools uh, either yeah. for individuals or their freelancers? So I think it depends how comfortable you are with dealing with your own finances. For me, yeah. um, I have an accounting background. For me, it was more 
about getting it done because now that I'm the business owner, the salesperson, the marketing person, I'm not just the accounting person. Doing the books isn't as fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's more fun to actually go make the money and make the magic yeah. happen. So what I realized in the beginning was I was dragging my feet yeah. and actually doing my books. So what I, I remember first year in business, I didn't do my books for like three months towards the end of the year. And I was yeah. like, you know, I'm just beginning. There's not <laughs> going to be that much. It's not going to be that much time. I'm going to remember all of it. <laughs> and then I had to finish everything for my taxes. And I remember <laughs> spending six hours and being like, you know better. You're an accountant. Why <laughs> did you do this? And I knew it was because I didn't have processes in place. Yeah. I aut- automated everything. So my uh, favorite tool is QuickBooks. Um, I use the self-employed version. It fits my business. I'm able to automate everything. If I get receipts in my email, Mm -hmm. I forward them. Everything is automated to match up with my QuickBooks file. All I have to do at the end of the month is just review. Mm -hmm. I have a little checklist of everything that I pay monthly. I just check off that it's in there, went to the proper category. But if you don't feel comfortable... Let's say you don't have the funds to actually have a bookkeeper. You may not even have enough transactions per Mm. month to have a bookkeeper. It is so worth having someone set it up for you from the beginning, just so you can start correctly. And there are bookkeepers out there that are willing to review your books once a year. Yeah. It is so worth the investment as opposed to you having to struggle doing it yourself. Yeah. Here's the reality. It's important for you to know as a business owner, but at the same time, this is your prime real estate. How you're using your brain real estate is so important and you should be creating and doing that thing that you're passionate about. Yeah. I love accounting. Yeah. I love numbers. I hate doing my books. (laughs) I make sure that I spend as little time as possible. So that would be my advice. Yeah, that's funny. Any, any other systems you'd want to share with us or or tools? You know, I, I'm huge on time blocking. Um, I am. What does that mean to you? What is, is that essentially blocking a chunk on the calendar or is that logging your time or is it both? So I don't log my time. I, I, I don't like to have that much control over my, my calendar just because once I clock everything, it becomes an obsession and it, it's just, it's not good for the way my <laughs> brain works. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, well, let's track everything every little second and then I'm not doing anything. <laughs> um, but for me, so Thursdays, for example, are my podcast days. Unless yeah. someone needs to record on a different day. I try to record only on Thursdays. That okay. allows me to prepare for my day. It um, allows me to have more control over my calendar in general. I remember in the beginning, I made all of my days available. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, 12 interviews in one week. Where am I going to get the other work done? Um, got to so, pace, pace it. <laughs> so pacing and also just how I make my calendar available Um, I tend to not have calls on Mondays and Fridays. I mean, if clients need me, if something's coming up that's important, I obviously make time for it. But Mondays are my ramp up days. That means anything that came over the weekend, anything that you need to do to set yourself up for the week, I focus on that on Mondays. And Fridays are ramp down days. So I answer anything that I haven't gone back to, make sure everything is cool for the weekend. I try, I mean, I work a little bit on the weekends, but it's like a different pace and it feels like leisure time for me in all (laughs) honesty. But I would say when I originally heard of these tactics, I felt really intimidated because I had this idea that the more time I spend on my business and in my business, that equates to the money that I'm making. Mm But the reality is it's all about how you're spending that time. Yeah. So when I cut down to three days of calls, my calls actually increased. Yeah. I started selling better and also just having more control over what you're doing so that you can have more intention. Yeah. That's the real power. 
Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I, I did, and I, I have this in the book, is I, I, as a freelancer, I decided how much money I wanted to work or earn every year and how many hours I wanted to work. Yeah. And, and that kind of helps with that tension of, well, there could always be more, but it's like, well, what is it that I'm satisfied with? So yeah. I, I accomplished that. And it's actually pretty, you probably would agree with this. Um, when you put a number down and write it down, it, we, it's a lot quicker to get there than we realize. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it makes me think of a tip for people saving for something that they're not sure of. So for example, I really want to go on a vacation, but it's just too expensive. Yeah. Okay. Well, what is that vacation that you want to go on? Yeah. And then you put, you actually look that up and you're like, oh, okay, now I have a number. Okay. Maybe it's $2,000. Yeah. Now, instead of it being this obscene amount of money, <laughs> 25000 <laughs> Exactly. Now it's $2,000. And listen, maybe you want to take your whole family. Maybe you want to make it a whole thing in Disneyland. Maybe it is going to be $10,000. Yeah. But now you have a number on it. Now it's something that you can work towards. Mm -hmm. And that's a, I think that's a wonderful place to start whenever you're feeling you're facing a lot of money obstacles that are like huge, yeah. but you don't have a number on it. It's a great exercise. Write it out. Yeah. Say like, what is this actually going to cost me? Yeah. Or what is it that I want to make? And that makes it much more achievable. Yeah. I, I think we both agree that it's important to define everything. <laughs> yeah. And those assumptions can be brutal if, if we don't define them. So, well, we know what as assumptions do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <we> do. <laughs> Especially when you're talking about a relationship or like a, um, where you're like a marriage where you have two people that are trying to um, navigate the financial tension there. So, oh, that's a big topic for me. <laughs> I mean, I think it's so important. And people, because people don't talk about money, they take for granted. What's frivolous for me may be a completely different frivolous for the, your yeah. partner, for your spouse, for anyone that you're really in relationship with. So I would say it's even important to discuss these things with business partners because, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. we want to go lean. What's lean for you, buddy? Because, <laughs> you know, maybe we have different yeah. mindsets on well, that. And, and I would argue, and you push back if you disagree, but you should figure all that out before you become partners. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, some people, it doesn't always work that way. So you yeah. Gotta, but if you could try and address it at the front end, cause it's always messier on the back end. <laughs> Absolutely. Get those contracts in order. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as we start to wrap up here, you know, life can be hard. It's challenging. It can also be wonderful and prosperous as people traverse this, season of life and just life in general, you know, what are your parting words of wisdom? You know, I want to leave on an optimistic note because yeah. I think we have so much noise and a lot of COVID yelling these days. <laughs> I think um, something I mentioned before we started recording, this too shall pass. I think these moments where we feel so uncomfortable um, if we sit with those feelings and try to find out what is making us so uncomfortable, um, it doesn't have to be changing your entire life today. You know, I think that's also setting yourself up for failure. It's an overwhelming time, yeah. but trying to figure out why you're uncomfortable and maybe what could make you feel better and, and what gives you passion. Yeah. What, what makes you light up? I think that's really where the power of everything is. I think if you find that, it's going to fuel your personal life, your businesses, any creative hobbies, anything that you're involved in, it, it, it just begins to become a little more delicious. Yeah. And so it, 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 what if someone's like, well, I don't want to, I, I don't know if I can do that or I'm scared or I don't want to, like, what's, what's the reason they should really lean into what you're describing? What's the benefit they're, they're getting if they really do that? And what's the worst that could happen? You find out another thing that you don't <laughs> like, yeah. you know? Uh, I think there's a lot of power in knowing what you don't like just as much as there is mm. in knowing what you like. You yeah. know, I think in the beginning when I started my journey, it was overwhelming. I could do anything. Yeah. 
that's scary. I get it. But you know, you go one by one, you're like, well, I didn't, I didn't really like that. That kind <laughs> yeah. of stuck, but I'm not sure my heart's in it. Yeah. But going through that, it's not going to be an overnight experience, but I yeah. think there's nothing you have to lose. Go mm-hmm. for it. Because yeah. when you do find that thing, every day is awesome. Even mm-hmm. the sucky ones. Yeah. 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 Is there anything else you wanted to share that we missed or skipped or that, that you had in mind? No, you know, I would love for people to tune in to my podcast, nine okay. minutes of creative wisdom. If is that a daily can... one or how often is it's uh, twice a week. It's on okay. Tuesdays and Thursdays yeah. on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, also on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and if you really enjoyed many conversations that we had today, it's a little bit of money business okay. and a little bit of fun with creative business leaders that, um, basically share their experiences. I've been surprised with how many things I've learned from my, my guests. From the journey. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, well tell us how else people can connect with you, what you're up to. And if someone is interested in working with you, how they can go about that. Sure. The best way to contact me would be on LinkedIn. I Mm kind of use that platform the most to interact with the audience. Um, And I also have a blog on ragstoritchesconsulting.com. That's where I share money insights. And um, I have a Dear Olga column where people write in their money questions and have them answered. So yeah, they're... uh, if they, anyone wants to read more about what I do or connect with me, LinkedIn would be the best way. Okay, great, cool. Yeah. Well, anything else? No, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate it and I've enjoyed it. So thank you. Awesome. For additional stories and systems to work smarter and live better, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to having you listen in to the next episode of Grow Your Life. Mm